Hello, everybody, and welcome to Episode 9 of The Silent Suicide. I'm your host, Jaquel Martinez, and thank you so, so much for tuning in. As you know, I like to start every episode with a dedication to my beautiful friend, Melanie. Melanie, I love you. I miss you. And I hope you're looking down on me, smiling and laughing. I also like to extend a prayer to those of you listening who might be considering suicide at this very moment. I want you to know that you are loved, you are worthy, and you deserve to live. Before I get started, I just wanted to extend another thank you to those of you who listened to my last episode, which was my first guest interview with Ernie Stevens. I had a absolute blast recording it. We had a great conversation, and I really look forward to more interviews in the future. So the topic that I wanted to discuss today is something that, again, we've all heard of, we all know a little bit about, but I picked this particular topic because it's something that I knew I was going to learn more information as I did my research. And that's one of the wonderful things about doing a podcast is not only is it absolutely fun, but it's also very educational for me. And I really, really enjoy the research that goes into it before I record episodes. So what am I talking about this week? Well, we're going to get into psychosis and psychotic episodes. Now, I always like to start off with a general definition of what the illness is. Then we get into signs and symptoms. I go over more of my research and we just have a discussion about it. So what is psychosis? Psychosis is a condition that affects the way your brain processes information. It causes you to lose touch with reality. You might see, hear, or believe things that aren't real. I was absolutely shocked to discover that psychosis is a symptom, not an illness. I was under the impression that psychosis was its own entity, its own illness. But it's actually not. It's a symptom of other mental health disorders, which we'll get into in just a few minutes. As with anything, it can be triggered by many, many different things. The biggest ones are mental illness, a physical injury or illness, substance abuse, or extreme stress or trauma. For those of you that have been with me since the beginning, we talked about schizophrenia in episode six. If you haven't checked that episode out yet, please download it and listen to it and let me know what you think. Psychotic disorders and schizophrenia are hand in hand. They involve psychosis that usually affects people for the first time somewhere in between the late teens or early adulthood. Young people are especially likely to get it, but doctors don't really know why. Even before what doctors call the first episode of psychosis, you may show slight changes in the way you act or think. So you don't just wake up one day and become psychotic. It's a process. It's a slow process of it coming on little by little 
And then before you know it, you're in the middle of a psychotic episode. As you can imagine, the first episode of psychosis can be very frightening to someone. It can be confusing and distressing because that person probably has no idea what's going on in their own mind. About three out of every 100 people will experience a psychotic episode at least once in their lifetime. And just in the United States alone, there's 100,000 documented new cases of psychosis. Psychosis is, it's something that doesn't discriminate. It doesn't just tailor to men. It doesn't just tailor to women. It affects all walks of life. It affects men and women about equally, and it occurs across all cultures and socioeconomic groups. So it's all over the globe. It's in all of the countries. The interesting thing to note is psychotic illnesses seem to affect women at a later age than men. And when I read that, I thought, well, that's kind of weird. So then I kind of looked more into that. So the general consensus is that it affects women later in life because that's when women are usually farther along in their social life and in their career. And on the whole, women respond better than men to most of the different treatments out there. Now, there are times when the risk of relapse for women is actually greater than it is for men. Those times often include before their period is due, after childbirth, and around menopause. So that kind of suggests that women's hormones can in some ways affect psychosis and psychotic episodes. Now, psychotic episodes are tied to a few different mental illnesses. In episode six, I discussed all about schizophrenia. A person who has psychotic symptoms for at least six months with a significant decline in the ability to function, that's all wrapped up between schizophrenia and psychosis. There's also schizoaffective disorder, which is a person will have symptoms of schizophrenia and at some point in the course of their illness, concurrent symptoms of a mood disturbance. And then what about depression with some psychotic features? A person who has severe depression and symptoms of psychosis without the mania that's often associated with bipolar disorder, which I've also done a previous episode on. So if you haven't listened to all of my other episodes, please do so. Get caught up and we'll just keep on going. And then there's drug-induced psychosis. Obviously, substance abuse is a big issue, not only in the United States, but around the world. The use of drugs such as marijuana, cocaine, ecstasy, ketamine, LSD, amphetamines, and alcohol can sometimes cause psychotic symptoms. And then there's just regular organic psychosis. Sometimes symptoms of psychosis appear as a result of a physical illness or, God forbid, someone's in a car accident and they suffer from significant head trauma. Then there's a brief psychotic disorder. This type of psychosis usually lasts less than a month. 
It is sometimes triggered by a major stress in the person's life, such as a death in the family. And then the last one I wanted to talk about is delusional disorder. This type of psychosis consists of very strong, fixed beliefs and things that are simply not true without the presence of hallucinations. So now let's go over some of the signs and symptoms. As with any mental health illness, psychosis affects everyone differently. One person might experience some set of symptoms and someone else might experience a completely different set. But it definitely affects the way a person thinks, feels, and behaves. The experience of psychosis varies greatly from person to person. The symptoms of psychosis, they're put into two different categories. It's positive or negative. So first, let's go over the positive symptoms. Positive symptoms are those that add to or distort the person's normal functioning. They include delusions, which, as you recall, are false beliefs that are firmly held and are out of keeping with the person's culture. Hallucinations, which are hearing, seeing, tasting, smelling, or feeling something that is not actually there. And there's also things like disorganized speech, thoughts, or behavior. So, for example, switching rapidly between subjects and speaking, finding it hard to concentrate or follow a simple conversation, or being able to complete just everyday adult tasks. Then on the flip side is something called negative symptoms. Negative symptoms involve normal functioning becoming lost or reduced. So what does that include? Well, some examples are restricted emotional and facial expressions, restricted speech and verbal fluency, difficulty with generating ideas or thoughts, reduced ability to begin tasks, and reduced socialization and motivation. Often people that are experiencing negative symptoms, they isolate themselves from their family and friends and just often stay at home. So other symptoms include cognitive, such as difficulties with attention, concentration, and memory, mood changes, suicidal thoughts or behaviors, substance abuse, and sleep disturbances. So what causes psychosis, you might be wondering. It occurs in a variety of mental and physical disorders, so it's really difficult for researchers to know what actually causes a very first psychotic episode. Research shows that a combination of biological factors, genetic factors, can place a person at a greater risk of developing the illness. For such a person, a psychotic episode may be triggered by many different environmental factors, such as stressful events or substance abuse. As you can imagine, an imbalance in brain chemicals such as dopamine and serotonin can also play a role. As always, I like to tie in whatever disorder or illness we're talking about that particular week and how it relates to suicide. I was interested to read that people with psychotic symptoms are more likely to harm themselves than they are to harm other people. So again, there are many risk factors that can contribute to suicidal behavior for individuals experiencing psychosis, including age, gender, marital status, 
phase of illness, employment status, or history of suicide attempts. The period of greatest risk for individuals with psychosis is during the first year after onset, which again usually occurs during the late teens to the early 20s. Risk is generally higher after the post-psychotic period or up to six months after a hospital discharge. Although young age and early phase of illness are key high-risk factors, suicidal ideation and behavior can persist throughout the lifespan for individuals with psychotic disorders. So what are the some of the risk factors that go with psychosis and suicide? Males with psychosis are at a higher risk than females for actually being successful in suicide. Also, females with psychosis are at a higher risk for suicide than females in the general population or other high-risk groups. Single individuals with psychosis die by suicide more than individuals who are in relationships, which is important because most individuals with psychosis are single. Risk of suicide is greater when the individual is unemployed or not engaged with a regular activity like school, work, volunteer work, something that keeps them busy. Most individuals with psychosis are unemployed. Over 50% of individuals with schizophrenia who die by suicide have made a previous attempt and 50% are more than one attempt. As of right now, there's no evidence that suicidal behavior occurs more frequently in response to psychotic episodes, but it's definitely linked. Suicidal behavior occurs mostly because individuals are distressed or overly preoccupied by the psychotic symptoms that they are experiencing. About 20% of individuals with psychosis experience command hallucinations to kill themselves, 20% will actually act on it. Risk for suicidal behavior is increased during a depressive episode, but a depressed mood alone is not a risk factor. Hopelessness is a key risk factor in first episode psychosis. Individuals with poor social functioning may be at greater risk due to lack of problem-solving skills, impulsiveness, and aggression, poor social skills, and social isolation. Loss of social support, especially a family or of a therapist, is a large risk factor. Not being able to return home after hospitalization also increases the suicide risk. Substance abuse and drug abuse increases risk, especially is a comorbid with a psychotic disorder. And tunnel vision and ineffective decision-making where an individual can't think of alternatives beyond suicide, increases the risk. Research has also shown that protective factors are associated with reduced risk of suicide in people with psychotic disorder. Experts have identified several important factors. An accepting and supportive social environment, where an individual is really supported by their family and friends, Effective problem-solving skills, which can help reduce stress. Having a reason to live. That's why I mention it in every episode. You are worthy and you deserve to live. Possessing a positive attitude 
toward mental health providers and having access to care, limited access to lethal or deadly means of suicide, and skills and abilities associated with good pre-morbid functioning. So as you can see, there's a lot to psychosis, and researchers are still trying to figure out what actually causes it, what really causes that first psychotic episode. As we've talked about, it's all sorts of different things. It could be something as simple as stress to something as significant as a substance abuse disorder. So I really hope that research continues and we continue to learn about psychosis and we learn to learn from those individuals who are suffering from psychosis. So I hope that I brought up a few good points that maybe you didn't know before you started listening to this episode. And again, I'm going to continue my research, even though this episode is already done, because I really find it fascinating how it's just so prevalent in the world and the United States, but I really don't hear a lot of people talking about it the way that they should. So send me a comment. Leave me a review about how you think I'm doing with this podcast. And don't forget, being special makes you different. Have a great week.